Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Today we are beginning a worship series called Incoming Call, and today we're specifically looking at the call of Samuel. And so I love this story, and I invite you to read along with me. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Hear now these words. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli. Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. He got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there. Calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And as we go into this time of the service, I want to lead us in a brief time of prayer. And I want to invite you, if you feel so led, you don't, I'm not going to say anything to you if you don't do it. It's just what I've been doing to try to feel that presence. And so I want to invite you, ground yourself. Place your hands on your your knee and visualize those things that we find are consuming us with such worry and concern. Speak, Lord, for your children are listening. God, as we come now to this time in the service, anything that might would be a distraction and we place it in our hands. Anything that might separate us from fully feeling your presence, may it be removed. May we draw close to you. For in drawing close to you, we can't help but be transformed. So Lord, speak to us today. In these moments, removing all other distractions. So that we may hear you call us by name. Speak, Lord, for your children are listening. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. I have the honor of serving within the North Carolina Annual Conference, the United Methodist Church, on our conference board of ordained ministry. And by, uh, by part of that, I also serve on a more localized board, uh, district committee on ministry. And through that work that we share on those, we in, are involved in interviewing potential candidates for ministry, uh, interviewing people who maybe have graduated from seminary and are seeking to become ordained and all along in this process. And so it's, it's a very heavy thing that happens when we have a meeting. It's because I can imagine, I remember how daunting it was for me to go in and know that I've written 120 pages of paper and going to be interviewed for three hours by a group of people uh, that can make up this committee overseeing it. it. It is so intimidating. And so when I serve now, I try to remember how intimidating it was for me. And I try to be fully invested and to be fully present with those people that we might be interviewing. This past Thursday, we were in one of these district committee meetings, and as we were interviewing a candidate, my cell phone rang. Now, it was on vibrate, it was on silent, but my cell phone rang, and I looked at my watch, because I have one of these smart watches, and I saw that it was not a frequent caller, spam risk, uh, you, do, does he ever call you spam risk? Uh, this one, I recognize the name, Jennifer Seat. Now, we don't call each other on the phone a lot. We may send a text message here or there, but I knew in that moment I could not answer my phone call. And I could not excuse myself from that meeting at that moment to answer the phone call. And so I hit decline on her call. And I, my mind started spinning. What in the world was she calling me about? See, I was concerned. Had something happened to one of the boys? Was she calling to let me know that they had been in an accident? Was she calling to let me know something else? I, Jennifer and I, just last night, we adopted a new golden retriever puppy. His name is Dash. He's so cute. And I hope that the house is in order when we get home. But we were, had been waiting all week to meet up with this family on Saturday to be able to get the puppy. And I started thinking, oh no, did something happen that we're not going to be able to get the puppy? I was writing a hundred different scenarios about why Jennifer would have been calling me. And I was not fully present in that meeting at that time because I had declined that call. I didn't know what was going on. I fortunately quickly received a text message from her informing me of good news, thing, something good that had happened. So it was none of the bad things I'd written. But in that process, any of you ever do that? You can't answer a phone call and you're thinking, oh no, something must have happened. Oh no. It, in fact, those phone calls, when they come, it, especially if they come at like early hours or late hours, that's still triggering for me. I know just a couple weeks ago, my phone rang at 6.45. We had just gotten home from walking the dogs, well, dog at that time, at that morning, and somebody called my phone at 6.45, and it was a known number, and so I answered it because I was nervous. I was scared. Who's calling at this time? And it happened to be a wrong number, but still, as I answered it, it reminded me of my days as a child living in the church parsonage. 
If you don't know what a parsonage is, my daddy was a United Methodist pastor for many years, and so the church would often provide a house for the pastor and their family to live in called the parsonage. And when you lived in the parsonage, particularly back in this time frame, they had something there called a landline. Are you familiar with these? Some of you may remember. A landline, it was attached to the wall or sat on a table. It had a long cord, and you would answer it. And I remember as a teenager or even as a child, sometimes that phone would ring late at night, early in the morning, and it almost always meant something bad had happened. I'll never forget answering the phone when I was in eighth grade, only to have to tell my father that one of my closest friends, the family, was calling to let us know that he had been shot and killed. Ah, I still am triggered by those late night phone calls and so, or early morning calls. And so when that call came, it, it weighed heavy on me the other morning. You know, it reminded me, we're all called. We're all called. The answer is, are we going to answer it? For me, those phone calls that I remember answering as a teenager and as a child, those were one of the reasons that I delayed entering into ministry for quite some time. I put it off because I didn't want to ever receive those kind of calls. I believe, though, that at our baptism, all of us are called by God. That's why I love the image when someone is immersed in baptism. They die to self to rise, to live through Christ. Dying to self to live through Christ. And by that, in living through Christ, we are being called. That's why at baptism, it's so important that we name the person that is being baptized. We give that name. It's as if God is calling by name. And I believe God calls us all to be servants of Christ. Paul writes about it in Ephesians. He writes about it in other places as well. But in Ephesians, he writes about it in chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, when he says, He himself granted that some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Yes, I believe every one of you has been called by name to be a servant, to be a part of building up the body of Christ. And it's important for us to find out in what capacity, in what way has God called me by name to be a servant for the building up of the body of Christ. With this being Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Holiday Weekend, it made me think about remembering hearing his call to ministry. He writes, my call to ministry was neither dramatic nor spectacular. It came neither by some miraculous vision or by some blinding light experience on the road of life. Moreover, it did not come as a sudden realization. Rather, it was a response to an inner urge that gradually came upon me. This urge expressed itself in a desire to serve God and humanity and the feeling that my talent and my commitment could best be expressed through the ministry. And he writes how at first he felt this urge, this gradual urge to make a difference for humanity, for the benefit of God. And he thought to do that by, as a physician. And so he turned his attention and his studies to preparing to become a physician. But then he had a change of heart and decided that he would best be able to serve God's humanity and God through being an attorney. But having gone through the preparation of both of those career callings, he writes this, 
I came to see that God had placed a responsibility upon my shoulders. And the more I tried to escape it, the more frustrated I would become. He knew his call was to being a servant for Christ. You know, that resonates so much for me. That resonates that it's a gradual time of answering this call, of discerning what that call was. And it's one that when he tried to run away and to flee from, it only became more and more frustrating. I contend that when we are not living into the call that God has placed upon our individual lives, we will just find continuous frustration. I saw it lived out in my life. I knew I had a call early on in my life. I've told this story to you before, but it still bears repeating in my mind. In kindergarten, in kindergarten, I started a Jesus club. Who does that? But I felt the call to start a Jesus club. And what we would do, I gathered my friends together, and when we were on recess, we'd go out to the playground, and we'd find a child that was maybe playing by themselves, or we'd pull them aside. And we'd surround them in a circle. And I would step forward and I would ask, do you love Jesus? And if they said no or took too long to answer, we piled on top of them, pounding them, until they finally relented and said, yes, yes. And we'd welcome our new friend in Christ. I remember coming home and telling Dad, I didn't tell him how I did it. I said, Dad, we want another one for Jesus today. Well, good, son. That eventually got stopped. I learned a better form of evangelism. But something within me early just felt this need to help lead somebody to know who Jesus Christ was. But over the years, I I resisted pursuing it even more after that first failed attempt. I resisted. And that led to frustration after frustration. That's why I love the story of Samuel's call in the scripture. I think there's some important things that you and I can learn from this this passage of scripture and how we might come to understand what our personal call is, how God calls you by name. Samuel's story comes to us during a time of tremendous corruption, corruption that abounded. The word of the Lord was rare and visions were very infrequent. Now, Eli was the priest But something had led in Eli's life, something had happened that had led him to not even recognize what true earnest prayer was. If you read 1 Samuel chapter 1, you'll see an encounter where Hannah is so overcome with emotion. She goes to God to pray, seeking that she would be able to have a child. And she prays so fervently, so earnestly there at the temple. Eli sees her and he takes her fervent prayer for drunkenness. He can't even recognize what honest, real prayer is. Eli, oh, on top of that, his, he had two sons that were priests who were so abusing their power that it was bringing such dishonor to God and to his people. Eli had already had a messenger that came and told him, gave them warning about his sons and their behavior and how he should hold them accountable. But Eli continued to do nothing and not hold his sons accountable for their abuses of their power. Yes, this story comes to us in a time that corruption abounded. The word from the Lord was rare and the visions were frequent, infrequent. 
Now back to Hannah. As Hannah had prayed and prayed, she promised that if God would give her a child, she would dedicate that child fully to the service of the Lord. And God heard her prayers and provided Samuel. And so at the appropriate time to do what she had said she was going to do, she, pre she presented Samuel to Eli so that he might be in the service of the temple. And that's where we get today. In the passage, we have Eli is lying in his place, resting place. We have Samuel lying in the temple where the ark of God is resting. And the voice of God speaks. Samuel. Samuel replies, here I am. And he runs off to Eli. Here I am for you have called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you, boy. <laughs> That's the way I hear it. I didn't call you. Go lay down. So he goes back and lays down. Again, God says that name twice. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel gets up and runs. You know, I picture this like my children when they would not stay in bed. He's running back once again. I heard you. Here I am. You called. I did not call you. Go lay down. Once again, the third time, Samuel, Samuel. He runs off to Eli. And it's now only at this time that Eli perceives that something is happening. Samuel, Samuel couldn't perceive it on his own. The scripture said Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And it's not until this third time that Eli himself actually perceives that something is actually happening here. And he says to him, go lay down. And if God calls you again, say to him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Here's the thing I want to say to you, and I want to make sure that you hear. I believe that we are all called by name. I believe each one of us. You may be called to be a holy usher. You might be called to be a part of the choir. We could use you. You might be called to be a, a, a musician, to offer your gifts. You might be called to be a communion server. You might be called to help out in the church office from time to time. Debbie, you want to give us a list of things? Handbells, a ringer. I'll change a light bulb. I believe every one of you has been called by God. The problem is sometimes it's hard for us to discern, is it my call? Is it a call for me? Or is it a call for someone else? And the thing is, I think the only way that Samuel was able to really hear his call is he went to somebody else. He went to somebody. He, he, I don't think he could understand it on his own. He couldn't. He didn't know. He didn't know. And so when we receive a call, we've got to go to somebody else to be able to help discern and perceive what it is that we might be called to. That might mean you calling and setting up a time to talk to me. That might mean you being a part of a small group, a covenant group, to hold one another accountable to living into your call. That might mean you just finding somebody to talk to. But I believe that Samuel would not have ever understood his call had he not fully gone back to Eli. I know I wouldn't have understood my call. I've told many of you the story of my call before. But as I resisted, resisted that call to ministry, I did not feel that I wanted to live into what I had seen my father do, what I had, had experienced from living in the parsonages of every time the church doors were open being present. I did not want to live into that. 
But I began to incrementally feel this leading. Started out after college going back and helping out with the youth group at church. Then when they needed someone to teach a college-age Sunday school class, I had only been out of college for a year, so I thought, well, I, I could probably relate to them. So I started helping out with that Sunday school class. And then the pastor asked me to help lead worship. I was stepping slowly, one by one, into these phases. But it was still something that I was reluctant and still something I was resisting on my own. But I felt that frustration building each time I continued to resist. And it was building ever so great. As Jennifer was in law school, it was preparing for final exams time. And so she and a group of her classmates were going to someone's place at Myrtle Beach to study. Yes, I know you don't hear that very often, but they were going to Myrtle Beach to study, and I decided to tag along. And as I went, they were in their group studying, and one evening I stepped out to the beach. I looked up in the sky. I see the stars listening to the waves, people walking up and down Myrtle Beach. And for some reason, I remember started singing some old hymns. Amazing grace, Jesus keep me near the cross. What a friend we have in Jesus. Some, somehow that moment, something was special happening within me. And I remember so clearly that night looking out into the sky and saying to God, God, I think you're calling me to be a minister. If so, would you have that water come up and wash over my feet? And so I continued looking up in the sky and singing the songs. And before long, I looked down and I saw that water washing up over my ankles. So I did the only logical thing. I took two huge steps back, went step way back. I said, okay, now God, this time I'm serious. This time I mean it. If you're calling me to be a minister, have that water wash over my feet. And of course, before long, the water was washing over my feet once again. Now look, I know, high tide was coming in. I get it. But I fully believe God put me in that place at that time to ask for that sign. And God met me right where I was. And I believe God called me by name. And I quit the running. And all I could do is answer to follow him. Here, Samuel has, has he's heard this voice, but he doesn't know what it means. He's three times run to Eli to try to figure out what is going on, why am I being called, what does this mean for me? He could not have wanted what God was actually calling him to do. But when Eli told him to go and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When God called him by name the fourth time, Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, what God says to him is God gives him the judgment against Eli and his sons, and he's going to have to go and to tell those words to Eli, which are really difficult words to do. The things God calls us to may not always be easy. The things God calls us to may not always be the things that we would want. But I invite you, like Dr. King, feeling that urge, feeling that pull, we will continue to feel that frustration until we are willing 
to answer the call. Listen, for God is calling you by name. Let us pray. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Lord, we listen when we come together and worship and, and to praise you. We, we hear your voice when you speak to us through your scripture. We hear your voice even in silence. We hear your voice from friends, family, from small groups, from studies. May we hear you call us by name. And may we have the courage to speak to somebody else about it so that we might better perceive and understand what that call might be. And may we be willing to answer your call. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Speak, for your servants are listening. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.